last week started off looking at this notion of faith and what does faith look like and how do we walk in faith. And uh, faith is an essential part of our Christian experience. And if we are going to be successful in what God has called us to do, we recognize that we will have to know what faith truly looks like according to the word of God and also how to walk in it. And so Hebrews chapter number 11, Hebrews chapter number 11, uh, this is uh, in Hebrews 11, what we call many uh, uh, theologians call the honor roll of faith. Um, it is encyclopedia of uh, faith. And so you can go through Hebrews 11 and begin to hear about uh, the stories of biblical characters, men and women of God who walked by faith. And as they walked by faith, uh, they were able to do great exploits uh, for the glory of God. And in this uh, uh, chapter, it really gives us a picture of this the essential worth and the essential necessity of us to walk in faith. And you begin to see that now faith is, and then you begin to see by faith, Abel, by faith, Enoch, by faith, Noah, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Moses. And so you begin to see that it starts off with whatever they were able to do, it was done by faith. And so if we're going to be successful, if we're even in our academic endeavors, we have to realize that certainly hard work does pay off. But we have to recognize that we must walk by faith, even in our academic endeavors and uh, uh, in all that we are doing, that we would do it to the glory of God. And so let's look here in Hebrews chapter number 11, starting at verse number 17. Starting at verse number 17, and it's and it reads by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Let's turn over to the book of James. Again, one book after that, James uh, chapter number two, James chapter number two, reading at verse number 16, and we'll be reading through verse number 24. This uh, uh, section in James starts off with the header. Uh, you may have that there where it says faith and deeds. And in verse number 16, it says, uh, uh, so I'm sorry, let's read from verse number 15. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, it is, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? 
Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that through his faith and his actions, uh, excuse me, you see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that said, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to explore your word. And Lord, just to understand this notion of faith. Father, we recognize that we all desire to have mature faith, oh God, faith that Lord will be able to move mountains, oh God. And so, Father, even this morning, as I share from your word on the importance of faith and how to walk by faith, Lord, help us to receive these instructions. Help us, oh God, Lord, to even apply the word of God so that we may become all that you've called us to be. We give thanks unto your holy name in Jesus name. I want to share with you this morning the concept of mature faith, mature faith. Uh, In denoting this notion of mature faith, it is also recognizing that you can have a immature or an ineffective faith. And what we need to realize is what distinguishes a mature faith from a immature faith and what causes us to walk according to the plans that God has versus missing out on the plans that God has for us. We began last week examining the concept of biblical faith and we see that the word faith is an integral thread throughout both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And we read and many of us know the scriptures in Hebrews 11 and most particular Hebrews 11 and 6 we talked about the fact that it says that without faith, it is what? Without faith, it is what? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And we said last week that uh, underlying that notion is an assumption that if you are a follower of Christ, if you are a follower of God, you want to please God. And that is part of our assignment. If we're going to be followers of Christ, we want to please him in what we do. And what the word of God is saying that if we're going to please him, this place of faith is essential in order to know how to please God. But what is faith and what does it mean to walk by faith? A a very familiar passage. If we look in Hebrews 11, if you still have your Bibles open there, uh, we can look in verse number one of Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 and one. And it says this. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Some of you are familiar with the King James Version, which says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not 
seen. Uh, I shared with us last week a definition of faith and Minister Jean, if you can help me and just place that up on the screen there. And uh, and this is a working definition. Uh, it's the lawyerly definition that kind of addresses every aspect of faith. But uh, um, faith is our our trust and confidence in the character of God that leads us to a place of obedience to God's will, regardless of the presentation of earthly circumstances in accordance with or in opposition to our desired outcome of a situation. Now, that's a whole lot of words to say that faith is our trust. It's a place of trust. It's a place where we have confidence in God. We have confidence in all that God has said, and it leads us to obedience. We're going to talk about this this morning, but we need to understand that where faith is, you also ought to see obedience. And when you separate or segregate faith from obedience, you have a immature faith, not a mature faith, because obedience is the reason why we can obey is because we have by faith understand that God is still at work despite of contrary circumstances that may come to us. But I don't want to get ahead there. Let's let, let's let's work with that definition and begin to unpack this notion of how do we walk in faith? What does it mean that we walk in faith? We need to know and understand how do we walk in faith at our jobs? How do we walk in faith in our neighborhoods? How do we walk in faith in our families? How do we walk in faith when we're raising our children? How do we walk in faith in our schooling? In all of these endeavors, we need to see that we walk by faith by trusting in God. Now, one of the things that we see in this honor roll of faith is that Abraham is talked about and he is known or or given the nickname, the father of faith. And we recognize that Abraham had a challenge because he had a promise from God and yet he had to wait until that promise manifested. And it said that by faith, he was able to trust God, even though he was holding on to a promise with one hand, looking at circumstances that looked in opposition to it on the other hand, but yet still believing that God was going to do what he said in the other hand. And so he had what some would say a perplexing situation. I don't know if you've ever had perplexing situations in your life, and I'm in the midst of a perplexing situation even right now. And I look and I see I have a promise and I have circumstances that are in front of me, but I know that my God is able. And so when I look to Abraham as the father of faith, I recognize that oh my, I'm excited about the fact that he, by faith, was able to walk in what God had said. But if I can be honest with you, there are some parts of looking at his story that trouble me. Now, they don't trouble me because of the fact that from a sovereign God perspective, that it makes God somewhat lower on my level. But it troubles me because according to my human standards, I would like the road to be very easy and very direct. But the Bible includes some of the detours that we see and and think and, and, and some of the aspects where it doesn't always talk about the fact that it was always a straight shot. It doesn't always talk about the fact that when people walk by faith, that immediately everything was changed. Now, I believe that faith will change and move mountains. But there are times when even when we're walking by faith. That we have challenges that come in front of us. And we said last week that when the resistance come, our our responsibility is not to look at the resistance as just waiting, wasting time or just in a holding pattern. 
but to see that God is building something even within us during those times and those seasons. So what is this troubling part? Well, as I look to the story of Abraham, I recognize that not only was Abraham able to believe God and to leave the country that God had called him to, but he also was able to obey God when God asked and commanded him to do something that was very troubling. In verse number um, 17 and verse number 18, look at what it says here. It introduces this challenge. It says, when God tested him. God tested Abraham. Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice. And he who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Now, before you begin to focus on the fact that God tested Abraham and the word sacrifice is in here, you need to see that at the beginning of this verse, is what we see throughout all of the verses in this chapter. By faith. By faith, something happened. So as I begin to look at the fact that God is testing Abraham, God is challenging Abraham, I must also remember that even before I begin to look at it and say, that's not fair, I have to remember that God was doing something with Abraham's faith. And what it says here is that by faith, When God tested him, Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Now, I realize the intense conflict that God presented to Abraham. Uh, You know, when we come here and when we worship, we sing many songs of sacrifice. We sing, Lord, I give you my life. We sing, I surrender all. I give myself away. We love that song. I give myself away. I mean, we're just worshiping and just talking. Yes, Lord, I, I give all of you away. But have you thought of what that really means? Have you thought about what this place of sacrifice truly means when you're saying, Lord, I give you my life. Lord, I give you everything that I am, because that is truly we've captured the heart of what God is looking for. But I don't think we understand what are the ramifications of the surrender and the sacrifice that God wants from us. The full reality is that we can give ourselves, our lives, our dreams, our hopes fully over to God because we know that he can be entrusted with everything that we give over to him. Uh, It's interesting because, you know, as a child growing up, I got excited when my parents gave me their ATM card and said, go get some money for uh, for us from the bank and and, and go get, you know, get some things because they entrusted and said, I can give him a card that has access to money and I can trust him to come back. Now, I wasn't quite worthy of that trust at the age of 15, (laughs) but I learned (laughs) through nice discipline and coaxing (laughs) that when they say get 40, it doesn't mean 80. I mean, I I learned over time how to be uh, worthy of the trust that they were giving over to me. But we realize that part of the reason why some of us have a challenge with trust, with walking by faith, is because we don't fully trust God. 
And, and, and this notion that uh, even as a father figure, God the father, and, and, and he gives his only begotten son, many of us, uh, there's a book called Your God is Too Small. And it was talking about this relationship between how many of us, we identify God with our earthly fathers. And so if we had a great father or, or a father who uh, we really love, we, we can identify with this notion of God being a good God because he's like a father. But if we didn't have our father around or maybe our father was there, but maybe they were absent or uh, some of us who are immigrants, we know that the notion of a father and a father's love was more about did they put a roof, a roof over your head and did, you, did they pay for your school fees? And so the, the love notion was a different notion that many of us understand. And so this concept of relating to a heavenly father is a foreign concept. But what we realize is that God is saying you have to be willing to give everything over unto me. And this is what he asked of Abraham. And it's interesting because when you look at the story of what God was asking Abraham, you realize that God was asking for something that was a sacrifice. Look with me in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter number 22. Genesis chapter number 22 and two, we realize again, God is testing Abraham. And in Genesis chapter number 22 and two, it says, then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Now, this is the instruction of the Lord. And if you don't know the story of where we're at in Genesis chapter number 22, ask dear Abraham if he were to tell his story of all of the things that transpired. He'd tell you about 25 years of waiting on God. Some of you have been saying, man, Lord, when are you going to come through? Well, ask Abraham. It was 25 years. Now, not only did he have a promise, but he began to take action and he left what was comfortable. He left the land that he knew. He left a place where he he was in a, uh, an enjoyable space and he went to a place where God would show him because he trusted that if God said it, that he would lead him along the way. And so after 25 years of waiting for the promise. After 25 years of saying, Lord, I trust you and still struggling with the fact, okay, God, when are you going to do it? When are you going to manifest it? He births another son by Hagar. And then all through all of these experiences, he gives birth to a son. And his son is named Isaac. Now think about this. You waited 25 years for the promise. You waited 25 years for the promise. And then God just happens to visit you one day. Says, let's talk. You know that promise I gave you? I want you to lay it on the altar. I want you to sacrifice it. Now, uh, immediately, you know, some of us, according to our, our, our church traditions, we would have cast out the demons and everybody else. And we would have had a, a, you know, we would have had a prayer circle and, and everything going on. And, and you know, we would have known how to spiritualize that. 
But there's a quandary here. Abraham knew the voice of God and he knew that God was instructing him to do something. But yet he was holding on to a promise and this did not make sense. Has God ever told you something or instructed you and it did not make sense when he said it? Some of you are in Boston right now (laughs) and it's on a word for the Lord and it does not make sense. When I came here to Boston, I was not planning almost 10 years later. Now, I was not planning to be here. And even while I was in law school, I was trying to figure out a way. I was like, all right, honey. I'm taking the bar exam once, so let's figure out where can I go and move to in order to go and take the bar exam there. I was trying to get out of Massachusetts, but the Lord knew that there was a plan and a purpose that he had for me here. And so in that, we recognize that God was asking for Abraham to sacrifice even the very thing that he had promised unto him. What does that tell us? God was not ignorant of the fact of the closeness of a relationship. It wasn't like God was just asking, go find somebody or go find an animal out there and sacrifice him. He was specific. He says, take your son. So for those of you who say, well, God doesn't understand the closeness of this relationship that you're asking for. No, God very well understood. He said, take your son. And maybe you say, well, God didn't understand the uniqueness. God knew the uniqueness that this was not only was it Abraham's son, but it was his only son by the promise. Yes, he had another son, but this was his only son by the promise, which was the son that was supposed to bring forth the promise that the Lord had said. And it wasn't like, you know. It wasn't like God was asking for the thing we didn't like. You know, when someone comes and asks for something and and, or or, here, here's the one that some of us do. We have a canned food drive. And when we have the canned food drive, we find and go back to the back of the shelves. You know, you climb through all the stuff that you do like, you know, the fruity O's and all all that good stuff. And then you go back to the stuff that's probably been back there about three years. You say, I'll give those things. We recognize that's not much of a sacrifice. But here the Lord knew that this was his only son. And he says, take your only son, Isaac, whom you love. So God was very aware, very well aware that he was asking Abraham for something that Abraham had affection towards. Uh, We continue reading and we recognize that God was not ignorant of the fact that Abraham had waited for this promise. God still asked for the sacrifice, even though Abraham had patiently waited over 25 years for the promise to be manifested. And God was not ignorant of the fact that in Abraham's eyes, this was the last viable option. If this promise was going to happen, he recognized his body was dead. He was old. He wasn't. I mean, he wasn't just pop, Sarah was not just popping out babies. I mean, there, there was not. There, he, he looked at, at the reality that, you know, Isaac comes. Uh, this is my last shot. I, I, I mean, <laughs> there, there's not too many miracles of science that are going on, you know, when you're 100 something years old. And so Abraham's looking. This is my last viable option. But even in spite of that, God still said, sacrifice your son. Now, why would God test Abraham? Why would God ask for that? Well, that's a good question. I'm glad you asked. 
The reality was and is that God asked Abraham to sacrifice and God tested Abraham for this because God wanted to make sure that he was preeminent, number one in Abraham's life. And nothing, even including the promises of God, should take God's rightful place. See, the reality is that if we were to take a chair and this were to say that this is the chair that belongs only to God, we recognize that God has said he has he has desired to give us many blessings. And so we can have all of the blessings and God knows all the blessings are there. But even with the blessings of God, God says that when the blessings take the seat that God designed for him, that we've missed out on the role of the blessings. And instead of serving God, we're serving the blessings. And what God was testing in Abraham was to see who's sitting in the seat. Who's sitting in that seat? Is it our job? Is it our relationship? Because he know, I mean, it says there, if this was the one that he loved, this was the one that he, he, he had affection towards, this was the only viable option that he had for the promise. All of these realities did not change the fact that God asked him, will you be willing to place those things on the altar? And my question to you is that will you be willing when God asks for something from you, will you be willing to place it on the altar or does it have more position than it should have? The reality is that the only way that you can walk in the way that Abraham walked is if you have faith in the God that you serve. Faith is not only focused, confident and tested But first, we must understand that your faith must be built on both the capability of God and number two, the will of God. Your faith must be built on both the capability of God and the will of God. What do I mean by that? Many of us, we often have faith to believe that God can do the impossible. We know what that's like. Some of you who are students here, you know, I mean, you when it comes the end of the semester, you know, you have extreme faith. You're like, God, you can do the impossible. I have not done any homework throughout all of this semester. I have not paid attention in class. As a matter of fact, I slept through half of the classes and then the other half I didn't attend. But Lord, I believe that you can get an A. I mean, you can you can work this miracle out. And so we, we can have faith in God's ability to turn around an impossible situation. It's not just in school. It's at work. We, we see that we encounter some impossible circumstances. It's with our families. We recognize that there's some impossible circumstances. But we need to have not only faith to believe that God can, but also to believe that God's will will be accomplished even in spite of contrary circumstances. What do I mean by that? Look there in Hebrews 11. If you go turn back in the New Testament, Hebrews 11 and verse number 19. This is what happened when Abraham dealt with contradictory, perplexing realities. In verse number 19 of Hebrews 11, it says Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did not receive Isaac back from death. Now, We've tasted and seen what resurrection looks like because Jesus has come and been resurrected. But when Abraham was reasoning that God could raise the dead, he didn't have an example that he could point to. 
And so God, he knew that if God commanded him to do this, that God will get his will accomplished. And so not only did he have the confidence in the fact that God can do the impossible, but he also had the confidence that if God asked him to do something, God knew how to get him to the destination that he said he would get him to. And some of us, our faith stops just in God's ability to do impossible, but we also don't have faith to recognize that God can still accomplish his will even when he asks us things that seem like a sacrifice that will be taking from what the very thing that it seems that he gave to us. We have to acknowledge that our limited understanding of the will of God is in light of the absolute sovereignty of God. And so what we have this is that faith must be built on both the capability that God is able, but it also must be built on the will of God. And in knowing the will of God, we recognize that we're always going to be limited. We stand upon his word and his promises, but God is in charge of getting us through the place where he needs us to be. Number two. Not only must your faith be built on both the capability of God and the will of God, but number two, your faith must be coupled with obedience that leads to action regardless of the consequences. Your faith must be coupled with action that leads to obedience regardless of the consequences. Now, I have to recognize and use and be sober in this because I recognize that some may take the statement here and go to the extreme. Uh, I'm not saying that immediately go quit your job. Um, I'm not saying immediately drop out of school. I'm not saying immediately uh, uh, do some crazy endeavors. I'm saying make sure that God is saying to do those things before you do those things. Because if you come to my house, I ain't got a place for you to stay in. And, 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 you know, if you drop out of school, I, I can't your degree. And so, uh, I mean, there are some things that we have to realize that in this, we ought to obey God, but we also need to make sure and authenticate God's voice. But here we're saying that your faith must be coupled with obedience. When you think about faith, do you think about obedience? Do you think about the fact that with your faith and what you're believing God, that there is something that is causing you to do? I was uh, reading my son, uh, uh, Nehemiah, a story. And uh, uh, if you're familiar with Thomas, the tank engine, um, it's it's it's, right now it's a very biblical model because uh, there's some things in there that you'll just read in like, wow, I I see that. Uh, That's that's excellent. And so there was this story about Thomas and Thomas wanted to be the big engine and all the rest of the big engines would come around to the station and they would haul uh, these these uh, the uh, the people carriers all around the track. And Thomas, his assignment was just within the station, just to move back and forth the other trains in order to hook them to the bigger trains that would go. And so he was saying, you know, I wish I wish I want to be a big train. I want to be able to go out and explore all the world and be able to go on all the tracks. And so it said the time came an opportunity when one of the other trains Percy Percy wasn't able to go out. He was sick that day. And so as a result, Thomas was on assignment to go. But the problem was, was that Thomas was so excited about going out on the tracks that he got to the place and he got the, the, the uh, coaches lined up right by the track platform. But he forgot to couple himself to the rest of the tracks and he just started zooming off. 
and going away. And so as he sees people waving and they're trying to get his attention to say, hey, guess what? You don't have, tra- you don't have any tracks be- uh, tra- carrier coaches behind you. You know what Thomas said? Oh, they must be waving and saying, what a great job I'm doing. <laughs> and so he goes and, and he keeps on seeing people trying to flag him down and he sees other trains kind of blowing their whistle and they say, oh, they're celebrating me. <laughs> and then he gets to this place where there's the danger on the track and they stop him and, they say, and he says, uh, what are you doing here, Thomas? And he says, oh, I'm pulling tracks, don't you see? And the guy says... I think there's a problem here. There are no coaches behind you. You must have left them back at the station. Now, why do I share this story besides the fact that I like Thomas? I share this story because some of us, when we think about faith, we're like Thomas the Tank Engine. We're so excited about believing and all right, I got to believe God for the impossible that we don't couple it with action. And so we're believing a whole lot of stuff, but we're not obeying God in what he has called us to do. And we call ourselves walking by faith and we think we have strong faith. But then when we get to circumstances and situations, someone say, what are you doing? And you say, oh, I'm I'm walking by faith. They say, no, your faith should have caused you to obey. Not just to want what you want and not want God's will in it. Your faith causes you to obey what God has said to do. So what what does this mean? The passage here in James says that separating faith from obedience is impossible. In fact, James in James in the Bible, it even goes uh, goes so far to say that you are a foolish person. If all you do is just believe without obeying that which you're believing in. And so this recognition that faith must go beyond just our emotional ability to say, I believe. And and, and, and we're in a world and a society that loves to sing songs about, I believe, I believe I can fly. I believe I can do all. I mean, we we believe we just believe. I mean, we we believe I believe the world will be better. I believe everything I believe. And and, and so we love to see. And and those songs make us feel good. I mean, doesn't it? I I believe the world can be a better place. I I mean, we, we just feel good when those songs come forward. But beyond just believing What is it challenging us to do? Because believing is not the biblical faith that God is looking for. He's looking for a faith that is coupled with believing. Look what he says there in James. We read this passage here in James chapter number uh, um, two and verse number 19. It says, you believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. What was he saying? He was saying that, you know, you talk about faith and you talk about you believe the promises of God. It's one thing just to say, oh, yes, Lord, you can do it. Lord, you can do the impossible. But what has that done? Have you coupled it with obedience or have you left obedience still back at the station? Faith must be coupled with obedience. The translation I can say here from James 1 and 19 is that, hey, even the demons believe that there is one God and they shudder. This translation is, listen, you know how to quote scripture? Good. The demons know how to do that. But what are you doing in response to the scripture? It should be that when the word of God comes forward, it challenges you and prompts you into a place of obedience. 
There's a call to action. There's something that the word of God is asking for you to do. And the reality is, is that every time when we read the word of God, it should be speaking to the, our hearts and our minds and say, this is what I need to do in order to grow in what God has called us to be. And if you are going to have a mature faith, it's going to have to be coupled with obedience. When you decouple it, you have an immature faith. The reality is that when scripture comes forth, it challenges us. And so when we look at the scriptures, we look at Romans 8 and 28. I know all things work together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purposes. It's not enough that you can just quote that. It's not enough that you can just in the midst of your circumstance, just begin to say, "Okay, Lord, I know. All right. Romans 8 and 28. Let me get my scripture card. All right. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It's more than just not having an intellectual assent to that. But what does that do? If you know that all things are working together for good, what does that challenge you to do? My, what I'm proposing to you is that that should challenge you to obey. That means that someone could come in and try and, uh, and even threaten the very thing that you thought was the promise. But you know that all things are working together for the good of those who love them and are called according to his purpose. So when they come in, you just say, I'm not going to give in to that. I'm not going to stoop to that level. I'm not going to I'm not going to use the choice words that I used to use. I'm not going to call you by certain things and I'm not going to stoop to your level. But I'm going to respond in the face of faith and knowing that what God has said, it will certainly come to pass. Faith must be coupled to obedience. But another part of that is not only must it be coupled to obedience, it must be carried out to the end of the purpose. You see, some of us have faith to start, but we don't have faith to finish. We have faith to get to the beginning. And, 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 and I recognize that if I was Abraham, I could have said, Lord, I'm tired. I don't have faith for 25 years. Do you know how hard that was? Do you know how long I stood waiting for the promise to come? I'm done. But faith is not just about getting the promise, but we need faith in order to sustain and maintain the promise. It means that faith coupled and carried out to the end of the cause will have us to be able to trust God even as we receive the very promises that God gives to us. Some of us, we've been praying for various things. As I was even pulling this morning for the prop, I recognized that this here, this picture here was the ultrasound of our son, Xavier. Now, I recognize that we prayed for our second son. We prayed that the Lord would bless us and would bless the womb of Pastor Ophelia to bring that son. And so we had faith and we were walking by faith of the fact that God said he would even increase us and we would be fruitful and multiply. But guess what? It takes not only faith to believe that God can bring this child into the earth, but it takes faith to believe that God will provide for the needs of this child even while he's here on this earth. And many of us, we just we, we kind of get children into this world and then we say, all right, I got the promise. I'm done. But guess what? You got to have faith. You got a whole long time. <laughs> you got a whole long time. And so you've got to have faith more than just for the beginning. But you've got to have faith to get it to the end of the purpose and to the cause. I believe that with every promise, God will even challenge and test us even in those seasons to see, did we have faith enough just to start it or do we have faith to trust him even while we have it until the end? 
Some of you are, as you're pursuing your, your academic career, some of you, you're on your second and your third degree. And it's not only faith to be able to get and you've finished a degree, you've finished a course, but now it's even faith to believe, okay, I've gone away, maybe I've stopped working for a season and now I'm back in school. And then it's faith to believe that, okay, even after I come out of this, that God will be able to sustain me and be able to use the talents and gifts and that it wasn't a waste for the time that I spent pursuing this extra degree. You've got to have faith, not just for the beginning, but throughout the whole aspect. I learned that even as uh, our second, our second, our first son, Nehemiah, as he's now gone to school, I recognize that, listen, I had to have faith to see him come into this world, even while he was having seizures as a child. I had to have faith to raise him even for three years. I, that's, I mean, I know that's for some of you who have children that are much older. You're like three years. That's a that's a that's a cakewalk. But but for me, three years, I, I'm thanking God because that was a journey for me. But now I have to have faith even in a different season that now, even as he's going to preschool, I've got to have faith that, listen, even while he's been entrusted into someone else's care, that God will still protect him and keep him. And so you've got to have faith through each and every season. Immature faith will believe God for the promise, but won't believe God for the ongoing provision. Mature faith believes God, believes God at every stage. Third and lastly, I want to share this. Uh, Point number three is that the genuineness and maturity of your faith is revealed through your actions. The genuineness and maturity of your faith is revealed through your actions. What good is faith if at the end of the day you find out that your faith was counterfeit? Uh, I think of this illustration. Could you imagine having a ticket to a, a, a football game? I, I, I use an example. Uh, at University of Michigan, we happen just to have one of the largest um, stadiums. And, uh, and it's a, a, a wonderful stadium. And if you've ever been in the big house, um, you, you'll understand just watching a football game with all of those people surrounding around you there. It, it's just a thrilling, exhilarating experience. It needs to be on your bucket list. And, and so uh, anyone who wants to travel to Ann Arbor in this fall, just let me know. But one of the things that happened as I was a student is you recognize that they would uh, uh, check your tickets and they would check your tickets to make sure that your ticket was not a counterfeit. Now, imagine that I am uh, going around and saying, I got this ticket 50 yard line right on the sideline. I, I, I got this wonderful ticket. And all while I'm in possession of that ticket, I'm saying, Ooh, look at, look at the ticket I got. I'm about to watch the University of Michigan Wolverines go blue. I'm, I'm ready, excited to go down there. And I'm all excited. And then I get to a place where as I <laughs> come before the people and ready to go in and take my place, someone says, I'm sorry, your ticket was counterfeit. You can't get in. This challenge or this paradox is in the same way that I believe that some of us will happen when we look at what our faith looked like. Because we'll say that we believed God, we'll say that we were trusting God for many things, but then when it gets to the end of time, when God, who is the judge who reveals and begins to examine all things, we will recognize that what was in our heart was not truly faith, it was just trusting in ourselves. Wanting the impossible, but not wanting God's will along with the impossible. See, we need to recognize that the maturity and the genuineness of our faith will be revealed through how we obey. James chapter number two said, listen, what good is it, brothers, 
If you claim to have faith, but your faith does not prompt you to walk in obedience. It's not saying that your actions or your deeds are what earn your faith or what earns your salvation. But what it's saying is that it is inherent in the notion that you would not need faith if there was not something that you needed to do. Faith is required in order to be able to do something that would be impossible given the normal circumstances. And so when you look at an impossible circumstance and situation, you don't just go with it and say, oh, my goodness, I look at it and it looks impossible. You go with it knowing I know the God who I serve. I know the promises that he's made. All right. Let me look at this situation now. All right. I'm about to walk by faith. But if you say, I know the God that I serve, I know his promises, all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Then you get to this situation over here saying, oh, I ain't dealing with that Red Sea. Not dealing with that challenge. Not dealing with that class. That's that one professor. You don't, you don't take that class with that professor. I'm not dealing with that particular boss. I, 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 I don't want to work with them. I don't want to deal projects for them. I don't want to work for that particular partner at the law firm. But the reality is, is that faith compels us in places where we would have ran the other way because we look at the impossibility of it. Faith compels us to say, I will march forward in God because I know God has called us to do it. And here, Abraham, he marched forward in God, even when God was asking for the very thing that he had blessed him with. What are you willing to lay on the altar? Are you willing to lay everything down? Or does your faith only work when it works to your advantage? See, the reality is, is that obedience will always bring about God's best. But you have to have faith enough to trust God through the process while he's bringing it about. I I can use this on a very practical level that before Pastor Ophelia, yes, there were other women who I thought were going to be the one. And faith, you know, I could have looked at it and said, oh, my goodness, you know, what's going on? But as I walked with God and he said, no, this this is not going to be quite the right relationship for you. I was my first relationship was seven and a half years. I I was like, man, I'm very practical. If I could be honest, I was multiplying the number of flowers, uh, Valentine's Day, sweet in Detroit. We had sweetest day, too. I mean, I was multiplying all these various things. But waiting for the promise that God had for me. Was the best thing that I ever could do. But I had to have faith enough that even when I'm looking at a competing possibility. Even when I'm looking at, man, I invested seven and a half years in this relationship. What am I going to do? What decision am I going to make? That I'm looking to say, Lord, your best is what I want. And so it, it follows that whenever God says this is my best. He knows how to get you there, even when it seems like he's asking for everything from you. But the question is, will you trust him? Will you trust him? Will you trust him? Faith is more than just getting what we want. Faith is trusting in God to get his best. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to pray for each and every one of us here today. I shared this morning that I'm in a place where I'm in a faith journey. 
And my challenge is not only just believe in God for the beginning, but I want to believe God and walk by faith, even to maintain the blessings that he has brought before me. I don't want to stop just believing God just once I get the promise, but even to allow the promise to mature. I've got to trust God by faith. Some of you, you are at the beginning of your journeys. You're a beginning of maybe some of you at new employment opportunities. Maybe some of you, again, new schooling this year, whatever it may be. You've got to trust God and walk by faith in order to start that. But some of you, you're you've received the promise. You've gotten the you prayed for God to get you into this school. You prayed for God to get you this job. You prayed for God to get you this house. You prayed for God to bring you this husband. You prayed for God to bring you this family, to bring these children. And now that the promise is here. God tests you and you, you realize that you have a tighter hold on some things than you thought you had. But the reality is. That God was always intending, even in the place of sacrifice where Abraham was believing God. He was always intending to show himself as Jehovah Jireh, your provider. The Bible tells us that he desires, he delights in giving us all things, but to recognize that we've got to obey him if we want to see his best manifested in our lives. And it also means that even when contrary circumstances will approach themselves and bring themselves out. That we can't give up, we can't lose heart. But we've got to trust God and say your will be done until the end. I want to have faith to believe not just for the beginning, but all the way until the end. I don't want to leave the station just believing by faith and not coupling it to obedience. But even as Abraham obeyed God, even when it was difficult, I want to obey God through each and every circumstance and situation. I just want to pray for you here today that wherever you find yourself on this journey of faith, that you would not lose heart, you would not give up, but you would trust in God. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for each and every person under the sound of my voice. I thank you for, Lord, bringing us together here today for this opportunity, Lord, that we may walk and to exercise out our faith. We recognize, oh God, that faith is necessary to please you. But Father, we recognize that faith can be difficult at times. Father, help us to continue to learn more about your character and your nature so that we may trust you even when faith is difficult. Lord, help us to couple our faith to obedience. Lord, even in spite of consequences that may seem, Lord Dyer, we recognize that you are always bringing about your best in and through our lives. And so, Father, even right now, I pray for, Lord, even requests and petitions, Lord, that have been brought before you. You know, oh God, Lord, even the things that uh, your people have, Lord, asked of you. I'm praying, Lord, that even by faith, we would see it accomplished. We would see it, Lord, manifested. And Lord, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We give thanks unto your holy name. We bless you in Jesus name. Amen. and Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together. Amen.